Hey everyone, I'm L. Jones, host of An Average Fan Podcast and the In-N-Out Hoops Podcast. You can find these shows currently streaming right now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Number one rule, continue, and always remember to rate, like, and subscribe to get notifications on when new episodes are out. Now, everybody, the moment you've been waiting on. The show. This is An Average Fan Podcast with your host, L. Jones. Welcome back, everybody, to An Average Fan Podcast. Your host, L. Jones. We locked in. Week two, college football did not disappoint. Major upsets. We got a whole bunch of stuff really just to get into. We're going to talk about this top 10. We're going to talk about the games from this weekend. With some things we see in shaping up right now, Heisman picture, it changes from week to week. Who do you have leading the Heisman picture right now? Am excited, man. It's just week two. Trying to enjoy the weeks. Minute, second by second, millisecond by millisecond, right? Because once we get to December, you already know what time it is for college football. So trying to enjoy all this, savor the moments. Man, it's so special. Cannot wait for week three. But then right now, we're going to break down and talk about week two. Like I said, some moving and some shaking. But first, have we heard the news about Mel Tucker, coach of the University of Michigan State or Michigan State University, to be correct, suspended, suspended. Just some just some ugly, nasty charges, y'all. If you guys have not actually uh, got into that, man, it's trending heavy, heavy out here. Um. So we'll just go ahead and give you the give you the quick and quick and easy. I hate to use that terminology right now, especially with the topic we about to go into. So if you got sensitive ears, please cover them. We will not try to get too uh graphic, shall I say. But hey. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. So Mel Tucker. All right, coach of Michigan State. He's accused of sexually harassing a rape survivor. I know, crazy. Dig, dig this. Brenda Tracy, she is a prominent, well-known rape survivor and activist, right? She claims that coach Mel Tucker made sexual comments and did some things uh, without consent during a phone call so this complaint led to a uh, rather big title nine investigation and so the interesting thing about this right two years ago this happened two years ago so this has been under investigation they have been really trying to dig and find so this is this is not something that was new but it's it's breaking news. Um, he is he's being accused of right just doing these awful things. But his defense is that, like always, that it was consensual. Okay. Um, a little background. They say over eight months, they developed this kind of professional relationship based on her advocacy and what she does. Now, he invited her to campus three times, y'all. 
twice to speak to his players and the staff and wants to be recognized as an honorary captain at the spring football game. So apparently, quote unquote, their relationship was up in it during a phone call. Says that in a complaint that she filed with the university Title IX office in de- in December, based off of the, the events of those phone calls, uh, that phone call, shall I say, according to her complaint, she was frozen, uh, just in total shock. He made comments about her that was not tasteful. He did some things over the phone that he shouldn't. So. For her, in her eyes, it reopened or it, you know, it reignited those those scars, right? Those wounds that she had felt when she was a victim 20-some-odd years ago, you know? So you guys read up on her past, but to say the least, to say the least, it is not a good situation for Mel Tucker Man just got paid for the, by the university, and then this news breaks, and it's just dumb on so many levels. And I don't like, I do not like to use that, those words. I feel like we all have our moments, but for you to do something like this with a woman who works in a field where she talks about what she talks about just does not make sense, right? You guys follow me? If you're not. Right. Just think about it. You're going to rob the bank with the police. How can you do this? Right. Like, how can you commit a crime with the people? So it's like you're harassing or you're making these non tasteful comments and and doing these things toward a woman who stands her advocacy. Y'all get it right. So it's got me flabbergasted because it's like, how can someone. So, you know, Mel, he, we're going to refer to him as Mel. We ain't going to call him by his last name. Mel, he acknowledged the acts that he did on the phone, right? So he basically said, yeah, I did that. But she kind of, according to this article, states that she grossly mischaracterized the episode. So his recollection of it was that it was consensual phone sex. So, just had to fill y'all in on some college football news. Whew. Man's paid, y'all. He's paid. Hate to see this. Hate hate it for all parties involved. Not a good look, but he's currently under investigation, and we shall see how this all plays out. Nevertheless, we'll keep you informed on that. But, man, we had week two, and week two was spicier than those uh, – <laughs> It's kind of spicier than those uh, comments, those those accusations made, right? College football, it's going off, y'all. Look, when when you do something that hasn't been done in your university's his like the existence, right? Go through a period where you can become so dominant and so good. There are different expectations by those fan bases that are then thrusted upon this university, these players. It's called the standard, right? 
it was okay to tolerate your failings until you started to succeed. Now your success has become the standard. All right, y'all walk with me now. So, UGA, two-time back-to-back national champ, repeat in, in the CFP era, never been done before, right? You have a, a awesome, like, crazed emotional fan base, right? It grew because your standard has elevated. So now that brings a different type of crowd with your success. Heard some Georgia fans kind of upset about the performance. They won 45 to three. The standard is high with the fans. I like it though. I like it though. 45 to three. Some fans not, not, not thrilled, not excited about the way they started, especially against ball state, but they come out in the second quarter and they put 31 up on them. Once again, another team that is, how shall I put this, breaking in a new quarterback. And Georgia's schedule allows for that to actually kind of go at their own pace and not have to throw the quarterback into the fire, right? So, hey, the standard now at at UGA is set. The recruiting is through the roof. You got hardware to back it up. Success in the draft. The standard is high. Another team who is now thrusted into that high standard tier is Michigan. Jim Harbaugh's Michigan. See, he he was managing nine, ten win seasons at Michigan. Couldn't beat Ohio State. So those years you don't beat Ohio State, that's a 10-11 win season. He's done it for the past two years, and last year he went perfect all up until the college football playoff. Recruiting. Taking off. Success on the field. Beating Ohio State two years in a row. Dynamic quarterback. Some would say generational. the expectation of your success to continue, it creates a new standard for Michigan. Michigan's had spurts where they've been, you know, a good solid team, but now they're getting that national spotlight. How do they handle it this year? They go out, they beat UNLV. You can only play the people that are in front of you. 35 to seven. Basically shut them out for three quarters. They got a touchdown at the end. But hey, who 35 to nothing through three quarters? Sounds pretty dominant to me, right? How does their style translate to the national landscape? We know they're good in the trenches, but it's the dogs on the outside, right? What do you have on the outside that's that's both offense and defense? Defense, we know they got Will Johnson, but what do you have that you can bring to the table where it's like, oh, okay. Like, this is something we got to worry about. Can JJ actually help some of the others get to that level? Because I've talked about that before with the quarterback being a very important position, and we kind of all understand that. But sometimes this quarterback has to elevate the, the, the level of player 
around them. So by the quarterback knowing certain things, doing certain things, you get people to follow, or you're able to lead them, guide them in the way they should be guided, right? Change, hey, slide the protection this way. You over here, no, you line up. Okay, so can J.J. do that? Can J.J. make that leap, right? He QBR has been very high these past two games, and dude ain't got a lot of incompletions on the year. If J.J. becomes dynamic at throwing the ball, do we now have a mainstay in Michigan? Because, hey, this will be three years in a row if they make it to the college football playoff. Something different for UM. Number three, Alabama took on number 11, Texas, in T-Town. And, man, oh, man, we had ourselves a game. We had all the headlines we needed. And most of the crowd just wanted to know, (laughs) was Texas really back? And I don't know if we found out if Texas is back. But we we damn sure found out that Texas – is going to be a team that you're going to have to deal with, right? Don't really know about the inference and being back, right? That would imply you guys left. Texas never left. They they just didn't compete at a high level. So they never left, but they were so bad it was like they were gone. But they're not gone. They They're still relevant. They always will be, and... They're relevant behind winning the SEC country and, dare I say, whooped up on the Crimson Tide. Now, I put it like that to say this. We can blame blame Jalen Miller all we want, but we knew, I knew, you knew, that this would be a tough game for him, even at home, stylistically. We've seen it. When... When D coordinators, when players know that a guy is not adept to maybe reading defenses, if that D coordinator starts to disguise certain things and just get that quarterback for a millisecond, half a second, hold that ball, just you're letting your athletes go to town. And Alabama are having some young guys getting it out the mud, going up against that Texas D line and Texas D line, A. Hey, now, look, people watch this game because they want to see Bama lose. I'm going to be honest. But like I said, people wanted to see if Texas was back. I wanted to see what Texas would look like playing in the SEC. And this game gave me a taste of that, right? Just a just a little pinch of what that might be like. Here it is. Going into the heart, deep in the South. You go in here with a former saving assistant who just schemes it up, finds a way to get the game, win the game, 21-8 to eight in the fourth quarter. Sounds like a team was worn down. And we kind of got to really look at Bama as a whole because – Although A&M lost to Miami, 
One could say they look like they could be. They might can upset Bama. So it leaves you with a lot of questions. So early in the season, I know we want to go ahead and kick Bama out and say, hey, sayonara, sucker. See y'all. Y'all down there with Clemson. You can't do that, Bama. With one loss to a team who very they, – they might play themselves into the CFP in Texas. Just with one loss, if Bama wins out, are we really going to deny them? No, they're not. Not with one – if they went out and they win the SEC, they're definitely getting in. So, even with the one loss, you got to hope that Georgia holds up their end of the bargain and you're hoping for a, a, another team to upset Bama because it's going to take another team to upset them. So – that that is that, but and overall that was a great game. Love what I saw from Quinn Ewers. He was doing his thing, executing at a not gonna say an extremely high level. He had moments and he looked good and he had some other moments where the you could tell that Bama defense was getting to him a little bit. So but definitely what you want to see if you're a Texas fan, like I said, doesn't indicate you're back. Just means you winning those games now that people didn't think you were supposed to. Could you be entering a realm with Georgia and Michigan? Hmm? Could you be entering that standard where now this is gonna be the this is gonna be the norm? Yeah, they say heavy is the head that you know how it goes. Southern Miss took on Florida State. Well, let's just say they traveled down there to Tallahassee. And they probably met the new powerhouse of the ACC. 66 to 13. They dominated. Didn't play did not play with their food at all. Um <laughs> Man, Florida State looks scary. I can't wait to see them play Clemson. I cannot wait to see them play Clemson. That should be a entertaining matchup. Clemson really looked uh, sketchy at best to say that this week, even though the point total doesn't reflect it. Don't be fooled. Klubnik still had some moments. Which way is Clemson going to lead? I mean, which way are they going to go? But anyway, back to Florida State. Just, just doing what they do. I mean, effortless, right? Um. As we go ahead and get into the numbers, 175, two touchdowns for Jordan Travis. He was 15 of 29. That's something to really look at if you're gonna if we're gonna try to poke holes in this Florida State team. What does that really look like? So something to think about. This is what makes Florida State so dangerous, y'all. And I I get it. It's Southern Miss. They had 306 yards rushing. Y'all heard that right. 306 yards rushing as a team. They go deep and guys can just pop one off in a heartbeat. Yee. Then mess around and had 248 through the air. Man. A team that can run and a team that can pass. And they got some defense. Ooh. Y'all might have won it. 
I might have wanted Clemson to stay dominating because, man, hmm, Florida State, this Florida State team? Hey, give me a Florida State and Texas. Give me a Florida State and Texas matchup. I got to have it. Got to have it. Future projecting, got to stay on task. All right, Ohio State, they took on Youngstown State. We got to see two quarterbacks. We got to see Kyle McCord. We got to see Devin Brown. Buckeye fans was not really feeling Devin Brown on Saturday. They weren't, They wasn't feeling him. Kyle McCord did look good. He looked more comfortable. Devin looked like he was making his first start, right? He looked like he was fish out of water for a little bit. Um, Led scoring drives on two out of the three drives, if I'm not mistaken, that he was leading. He was in there on. So, overall, people are going to complain. Ryan Day still talking about the clock issues. Can't use that as an excuse because you're only one hollering that teams are still scoring and outputting at a high level. The finger then points back to you, Mr. Day. You have to fix this. You have to change that. And we know he can because we have not seen what the Ohio State fans have dubbed the UGA Ryan Day, the guy who, who they say schemed up Georgia and gave them a chance at dethroning UGA but fell short. We know that they're not going to get cute and pretty and put out stuff against Youngstown State. But you want to see an effort with the talent that Ohio State has that Florida has output. The difference between the two, which is the obvious, you're trying to find your quarterback when one team already knows and has their quarterback. So if we have a constant, right, just like last year with C.J. Stroud, they were able to look so dominant in his second year is because you already had your guy. So I'm pretty sure once Ohio State picks one, they will look okay because they got to find their identity, and I think that's when they get themselves in trouble offensively because one one game they just want to run the ball, the next game they just want to pass. There's no consistency. So they got to find that, and if they're able to find that and get that balance, then they could be dominant. We'll see what they got. Western Kentucky's coming in. Them boys, that defense going to get some run this week. We seen Denzel Burke get them one. He going he going to need about two. He going to need about two come Saturday. Western Kentucky comes in and they're ready to put some points up. Speaking of putting up points, USC put up them points on Stanford, 56 to 56 to 10. Two things we three things we know for sure about USC. Lincoln Riley offense is potent. Caleb Williams is a human highlight reel. And Zachariah Branch is stupid fast. Kids got wheels. West Coast stand up. Y'all got y'all one. Talented, talented kid. And Caleb is going crazy. And the thing is, if Lincoln Riley messes around and he get him a defense, good night, college football. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. Good times, man. Good times. This college football season feels different. Because even though Georgia is going for the three-peat, which not many people are even really addressing or talking about, that is the elephant in the room. All these teams... You just don't know. 
they're all so good right now. Penn State took on Delaware, 63-7. to The Drew Aller effect is real. The defense is real. We know what we're getting out of Penn State. They just got to beat the two teams, which, let's just be honest, they struggle beating. That's Old State, Michigan. If they can't get past them, their season, their ceiling is always 10 wins. But maybe if they beat one or the other or both, then they go to that Big Ten championship. So that's something that you want to see, okay, moving forward. Tulsa, they took on Washington. They found out about Michael Penix, man. They found out about Michael Penix and them Huskies. 43-10. to Michael Penix doing his thing, 409 yards through the air in three touchdowns. Can we go ahead and say it, all right? When I did my Dark Horse series and I talked about that Pac-12 and we talked about them quarterbacks, if if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, go find that episode. Please, please do. Please do. Remember, rate, like, and subscribe. So, Man, Michael Penix, <laughs> they're receiving they're two guys over 100 yards. Two guys over 100 yards, right? Just crazy. Just crazy. This is a team I would keep my eye out on in that Pac-12, obviously, because I picked them to be the dark horse, but I'm just saying, whew, they can they can be a problem. They can be a problem. Tennessee. They struggled a little bit. They they made it closer than what they would like to, but inevitably they got the 30-13 to 13 win. It's early, y'all. These teams don't look like how they should look. Waited out the rain delay. Notre Dame took on NC State. Notre Dame coming out with the win, 45-24. to 24. Crazy weather. They pulled away late because at the end of the third quarter, Ooh, ooh, we had a game in the Notre Dame and Sam Hartman and the boys. They said, nope. Hey, he's found a target. And that duo, they could be very dynamic. They got a big matchup with Ohio State coming up in week four. A lot of good games on that week four, week four slate. Utah escaped out of hot Baylor with a W. 20 to 13 as they outscored Baylor 14 to zip in the fourth quarter, locking it down. Utah is a problem out in the Pac-12. And whew, when rising gets back, we're going to have good football, y'all. I'm telling y'all. And it's last year, they are going out with a bang. They are going out with the bang. It's like that TV show you love. They're just on the wrong network. This is the Pac-12 this year. Got to love it. Got to love it. That was a good game, though. And it was hot. It was hot. Um, oh, man. I think they said above 100 on the field. Crazy time. Oregon, number 13 Oregon, had to scare against Texas Tech. Had to come from behind a rally. Mm-mm. Toughness, man. I'm telling you, that's a good win for that team. Dan Landon and the boys getting it done for a quarter. Got to wear them teams out. Just that talent. Appalachian State almost got them one, man. They almost got them a body. They that one dunker. They always going to get a body. They going to sneak up. They going to catch them a body. 
That is Appalachian State. Do not want to play them. Do not put them on your schedule earlier in the year. They took on North Carolina. Put up 34 points on North Carolina. Had to go to overtime. Here it is. You go out week one. Hype game against South Carolina. D-line looks great. You get nine sacks. Now I'm wondering, hmm, week two overreaction. Is the defense really that good? Or is the South Carolina offensive line that bad? And if it is, UGA is going to have a field day this week. Mm-mm-mm. Upset City, Washington State makes a claim that they belong in the Power Five now. Took down Wisconsin 31-22. to Who saw this coming? Who saw it coming? Mm-mm-mm. Got to be careful making them trips out to the to the West Coast this early in the season. Teammate, especially like they're going through that whole new coach, new offense. Just everything's new. Even though you got some of the same pieces, you got a new quarterbacks. So everything's just – they just ain't gelled yet. That game was later on in the year. It might have been a different outcome. But nevertheless, they got what they got. Okay, so Colorado, they took on Nebraska. Shador let it be known after the game he felt disrespected by some comments that Coach Rule had made kind of aimed at Coach Prime. He said he don't tolerate that disrespect to Pops. And once he tolerated – once he disrespected Pops, it was personal. And if you heard the pregame speech, that was the theme. It's personal. Coach Prime let him know that when y'all talk about my kids, my baby, <laughs> it's personal. Man, hey. Man, they could sell that man's tapes right now. It's, it's pregame speeches, boy. How you ready to run? Look, I'm not going to say that Deion and them going to shock the world this year. I'm not going to jump. I'm not going to make that jump, that leap, right? They have enough in place to get things done to where they can be more successful than what people would have imagined in year one. Now, the thing is this, the test of time. We all face adversity. We all face trials and tribulations. It's just with the college football game, we have this thing called a schedule. And we know when that rent comes due because it tells us every time. They have Colorado State this week. We're going to go ahead with that with that momentum they got right now. That's a good tune-up game to kind of get some things incorporated. They're going to smack Colorado State. I don't. I don't, I don't think Coach Prime, his kids, his babies, I don't think they're going to look ahead because that next week they got Oregon. That's a big game within itself. Now some issues might rear their ugly head, especially on the defensive side of the ball. This is just my take on the situation of what I see. Colorado is a little bit lighter on their D-line, and you're seeing where teams – are able to have some success on the ground against Colorado. We saw it with TCU and what they were able to do in that game. But then you kind of see Nebraska have some similar-esque success on the ground. They ran for 222 yards on the ground. I'm saying that because that'll be that's the biggest issue, right? If you're talking about a glaring weakness that this Colorado team may have, it's got to be rushing that D-line, running at that D-line. And 
Shador, man. Man, Shador, these next two, these next three games might be a coming out party. And God forbid these boys go three and on these next three games. Because that means he's going to took down two Heisman candidates early in the season in Bo Nix and Caleb Williams. Man, that Heisman chatter will be loud. That hype chain will be crazy. Can y'all imagine in year one? Let, let's let's all put let's all go ahead and take a walk with your boy. Year one, Deion Sanders comes and he's an eleven win coach. They they go they win eleven games, right? And Shador wins the Heisman, coming from Jackson State to big boy football in year one as the coach prime experience wins the Heisman Trophy. You want some hype? You want chatter? There you go. Dion has now become Miss Parker, y'all. He's the one out there. He ain't hard to find. Got that water in the grass. You know what Miss Parker was wearing. That is what Colorado is going to look like to a lot of young recruits if that happens. And guess what? It looks like a possibility. As I said, if Oregon is able to find success constantly running the ball and they don't turn over, they got a good chance to win that game. But if Shador is able to get his rhythm early, it's going to be a long one. He's shoot out. But he <laughs> – Caleb – that game, game, him versus Caleb is going to be crazy. That's going to be a monster. Texas A&M had one job. It was a tough job. Take on Miami and beat them. They took them on, but they ain't beat them. Miami comes out on top 48-33. to 33. Like I said, Texas A&M is a team to watch out for when they play Bama this year. Just keep your eye out on that. Miami, though, they look scary. Got a young freshman running back. Tyler Van Dyke looks like his former self. It's amazing what a new old coordinator, just a just a do a new new language, new voice, right? They look good. They look scary, y'all. I'm just saying. Just saying, they look scary, y'all. Miami. Ooh, like I said, ACC is about to get. Spicy because Miami plays Florida State. That's going to be a matchup. It's going to be another matchup. When these two go head-to-head, y'all, y'all, when they go head-to-head, and this game is in November, November the 11th, mark that on your calendar, and it's in Tallahassee. Let's go. By that time, we definitely know who the, who the U is. Now, that's the team. Look. Y'all know I don't like to say the whole back thing, right? But if we're applying that terminology, is the U back? That's the real question. Because I know some folks up there in the mid in northeast, they say them boys ain't been back since uh, 2001, 2002. That's none of my business. So thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for setting that time out. Just vibing with the podcast. Continue to rate, like, and subscribe. Helps with the growth. Can't do this without y'all. This has been an Average Fan Podcast. Your host, L. Jones. 
I'm out.